Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 250 of the Anthropology Podcast. I'm saying this slowly because honestly, even I can't believe that we have gotten here. And I say we because there is just no way that 250 episodes happens uh, as a single person. Well, maybe some people do that, but n- not me. I've had an amazing, uh, I've got an amazing team of people who behind the scenes help me bring this podcast to fruition every week. Uh, and I'm immensely grateful for them. I'm grateful for Heather Allen and Haley Davis and Aaron Weeb and the team at Podfly and all of the people who really make this, uh, this happen every week. So I just wanted to start by giving them uh, a, a huge shout out. Uh, for all of the support that they have lent along the way. And for today's episode, episode 250, I put all this pressure on myself. I'm like, what are we going to talk about for the 250th? Ep-? Like it, And then I realized I was like totally in analysis paralysis. And what, I, what I'm actually going to talk about today, I'm hoping it's going to be short and sweet, but I don't have notes. I'm just going to jam. So in 45 minutes, you might still be sitting here going, gosh, I thought, I thought we were, I thought it was short. Um, but I'm, I'm, I want to share with you something that uh, I've been working on for the last year. It's something I call a 5 a.m. project. Now, I'll first tell you what a 5 a.m. project is, and then I'll tell you how it, uh, how it manifested for me. And if you hear paper rustling, it's literally because the thing I made is sitting in front of me and it's made of paper. It's a tangible entity, um, and I want to take you through it. So I've had this vision for the last year, I, I, like many others, have this moderate obsession with uh, planners. I love the paper. Like I, I have my Google Calendar is what rules the day. But if I'm going to be productive, I need that paper planner in front of me. I need to write down with a pen the things that I am going to focus on for the given day. And I, I've tried a lot of planners, like a lot of planners. And for people who are into it, they know like once they find one they really like, they are totally with it. Well, I was having a hard time finding one I exactly liked. One that one that emphasized at the end of the day this balance between being and doing. And that was ultimately what I found was missing for me. There was this huge emphasis on productivity and I was like, but I have to modify everything to make it be about like who I want to show up as in the world. And then I found these cool journal prompts. I love my five minute journal for years where I, I could really focus on who I wanted to be. But then I was like, honestly, like I'm not carrying around my laptop and journal one and journal two and traveling and all the things. I was like, why can these things not coexist? And the next part of the conversation for myself was, well, I'm just going to make one. And then the rational part of my brain said to me, Megan, that is a terrible idea. You have more than one business on the go. You've got three kids. This doesn't fit into the grand scheme of things. Like if it is really worth it for you to write a planner, then you are going to have to be willing to get up at 5 a.m. to do it. This is literally how my brain talks to itself. I'm sure there are like multiple entities in there who have full-blown conversations at a board level before they even bring it to my attention. Needless to say, 
this was sort of the rule I set up with myself. If it is really worth it for you to bring something to the world that doesn't actually fit into your broader plan for your business, it's kind of an outlier in terms of ideas. Sure, like may, maybe you can earn a bit of revenue on it, but the opportunity cost to go and create this planner is going to be a huge distraction over things that are going to drive better revenue. These are all the rational thoughts in my brain. And yet I could not escape from wanting to from wanting to create it. And so I struck a deal with myself. You guys are getting massive insight into how my brain works right now. I struck a deal with myself. If I if I was willing to get up at 5 a.m. to work on this for a quarter of the year, would it would like would I do that? And and honestly I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to affectionately name this the 5 a.m. project. And this is how the concept of the 5am project was born. And I've shared this with some of my mastermind groups. I've maybe even talked about it a little bit on the podcast uh, here before. A 5am project is a project that you are massively passionate about. It doesn't have to fit into the scheme of your life purpose, but what it has to be is just something that excites you. This is to me the the essence of the difference between purpose and passion. Passion is like, oh, I'm super stoked about this. I just want to do it. I want to get it done. It's like loaded with dopamine. It's a project. It's got a start and a finish and you want to you want to make it happen. Creating a planner was not my life's purpose, but it was something that I was irrationally passionate about. And so I made space to do it at 5 a.m. in the morning. And literally, all of last winter, the darkest, dreariest time of the year, I would get up at 5 a.m., I would make myself an extraordinarily large cup of coffee, and I would find myself in my office or at my kitchen table designing out and then writing what has now been named the Anthropology Planner. And one of the concepts I talk about in the Anthropology Planner is this notion of a 5 a.m. project. Because I really believe if you've got something you're excited about that you're willing to get out of bed at 5 a.m. to complete, and this is a proverbial 5 a.m. I don't know what your day looks like. I just know for me, this was the only time I could do it. Then it's worth exploring. If it's not ultimately going to distract from what you're doing, if you want to bring something and burst something into the world because you are a creative. And ultimately, I think of myself more as a creative than an entrepreneur, if I'm really honest about the whole thing. And so I wrote this, I wrote this planner and it's sitting in front of me. The proof is sitting in front of me because the actual planner is still on a boat on its way back to Canada so we can ship it out. I've called it version one, the anthropology planner. It is hardbound. It lays flat. It's got pretty ribbons. It's got motivational quotes. But most importantly, I designed this because I have a process that I move through when I plan my quarter, when I plan my year. I start by writing down all the stuff that I want to get done. I start by getting really clear on my goals. And then I have a triage system that I use to decide whether or not those things get to be brought to fruition. There's only room for one 5 a.m. project per quarter. So it keeps me from getting distracted. I wanted my planner and the quarterly planners, I wanted them to start off that way, creating structure to how you wanted to execute in your quarter, not just for work or business, but also who you wanted to be. I give you an opportunity to look at three months at a glance. Some of you want to write down all your appointments. I don't use paper for that. I use my Google calendar linked to like 10 other people's calendars because that's how interlaced my life is. But you know what I love to do with my three months at a glance in my new anthropology planner? 
I like to write down some of the key social messaging uh, milestones that I want to talk about. If I know that we're doing a launch of different things, I want to have a quick reference place where I can go to see what I want to talk about on social media. Maybe next quarter, I'll use it to write down all the fun things I want to do at the quarter. So for me, it's not where I'm writing all my appointments. For me, it's just where I put an intention um, around a particular type of product project. And then we've got a few other sections. And I want to take you through some of these sections in terms of planning because they form the basis of something I've called the anthropology time system. And the anthropology time system is a time system we teach within our mastermind groups. It's something that I use with my private coaching clients. And it's something I talk about in the context of purpose. You know, as we're trying to work through this notion of purpose, as we're trying to delve deeper into what our purpose is all about, I've often talked about the fact that there's two prerequisites that need to be in place. The first is self-worth. You have to believe that you are worth having purpose, that you deserve to create space in your life for purpose to come to fruition. The second element is you literally have to create time. If you are going to start to build your life on purpose and work within a vertical of purpose, you need to create the time and space in order for that to happen. It was a huge part of the anthropology time system that we created. And so within the context of the anthropology time system, I label different types of time. I label them because not all types of time are created equal. Some types of time are where you drive revenue in your business or in your life. That is highly valuable. That time has to be protected. Some of your time is for play and family. Also highly valuable. Needs to be protected. Some of your time is where you execute on lesser value activities, still important, but lesser value. And so each of these different types of time, and when you're planning them out and allocating them within your week, I think we need to be mindful of the boundaries of these different types of time. It is easy. I could spend my entire life just replying to emails, but it is for the most part, a low value activity within all the things I could do in my week. And so we designed out different types of days. The first type of day in the anthropology time system, there's four types, are what I call stage days. These are the days where you are seeing patients or you are seeing clients or you are on. You are working within your unique skill set. You are bringing that to the table. For those of you who do any kind of billing by hour, this is when you are doing that. And I really believe for us, for most people anyways, to be most efficacious in how we deliver our gift to other people, we need free flowing time for that. It's really hard to see patients for four hours and then clear your inbox and work on your book and then go back here and then see patients. I certainly had a really hard time moving from activities that required strategic thinking to being one-on-one detail-oriented with patients. And so I started to create these things called stage days. Nothing else happened on those days other than I would see patients. I would maybe finish up a few charts, but the only intention for that day was to do my highest revenue-producing activity. And so I schedule those days in my calendars. But if we're going to have stage days, we're also going to create work on the backside. We all know you don't just see patients and suddenly all the work is done. In fact, most of the work and most of the thinking happens on what I've labeled follow through days. Follow through days are those days where we do all of the follow up calls. We send those follow up protocols. We we book that appointment with the vet. There's stuff we need to do in follow through days for our life. There's also things we need to do on follow through days within our business. We have to watch ourselves on these days. At first, it feels like we can just get it all done, that the most efficient way of handling follow through is for us to just do it ourselves. 
And really quickly, what you realize is that follow through tasks can take over your entire week. They can take over your early mornings. They can take over your evenings. They can take over every spare second. I realized that was actually a huge source of stress for me was the never ending pile of file through things. It was actually the first time I ever hired a VA. I made a promise to myself. You can see there's a theme here. There's like a literally a board meeting that happens in my head. I made a promise to myself that if I was doing more than 12 hours a week on follow through tasks, it was time for me to hire someone. And so I printed off a diet diary late at night, one evening after seeing patients. And I wrote down everything I did for a week. And in pink were the things only I could do, likely stage day activities. And in yellow were the things that other people could conceivably do. I might be really good at it. I might even enjoy it, but other people could do it. And what I realized is I was well over 28 hours a week of those activities other people could do. It was a massive eye-opening activity for me. So follow through days if you are someone who earns based on your time. And listen, I'd encourage you to get out of that model. But if you're still there and it is a stage you're all going to have to move through, you need to be ruthless about how much time is allocated for your follow through days. And we've got benchmarks for that within the Anthropology Planner. But then we talked about this deep work, this deep work where we are writing our talks, we are recording our podcasts, we're working on our our book, we're, we're creating that proposal. This deep work is often stuff where you are investing time and energy into the success of your future self. This is not time that can be shoved in between patients. This is not time that you can write something meaningful while you're sitting in your car while your child is at ballet. Deep work requires that you have no interruptions. And often, for many people, it requires that you don't have anything else on your calendar that day or for a minimal period of time. And so these deep work days, I used to call them lockdown days, but for very obvious reasons have changed the vernacular. These deep work days are paired with something I call momentum moments, because I don't know about you, but I can't book 24 hours off at a time to do deep, meaningful work because I have like human beings whose lives depend on mine. And so I found I can have deep work days from either Tuesdays. My team knows Tuesdays I'm going deep. I'm writing, I'm creating content. I am being creative in my business, which is actually where I bring value to the table. It's a unique skill set that only I have. But if people are calling me and there's problems and I'm interrupted, I cannot get into the zone. And so for me to have an effective deep work day, it used to start by having a few of them per quarter. And now I have at least one, if not two per week. I know that that happens without any interruptions. And my team knows it happens without any expectation that they can, uh, that they can reach me. So those deep down day, deep work days are those full days where you're doing that creative work that only you can do. But then I realize I also need time within my calendar where I can't budget an entire day to do this deep work, but I can probably budget three hours. And the same principle applies. So if it's a full day, I call them deep work days. If it's three hour blocks at a time, I call them momentum moments. And the same rules apply. No one interrupts me. And at the same point, I don't allow myself to be subject to distractions. I turn off my access to Wi-Fi. I do not open my inbox. I move my phone away from my desk. This is time where I need to be extremely creative and I can't be distracted. 
And all of these different types of days, these go into how I block my week. One of the things that I created within the Anthropology Planner is literally a template of your whole week, 5 a.m. to midnight. Please go to bed before midnight. But 5 a.m. to midnight, where you could literally color code these different types of activities within your week. Because I truly believe that we need to have boundaries within our time. So all of my meetings get booked on my follow-through days. When I'm going to do email and get into my inbox and like really reply to those emails that require deep thought, it only happens on my follow-through days. So I, I design my week and I review my week on a quarterly basis. The last type of time within the anthropology time system, and this is within your working week. So your family time is what I would qualify as a fifth form of time, and I'm not in any way excluding it here. But the fourth type of time, even within the context of business time, is something I call play days and dream time. It is a form of time that I'm going to create more space for in the first quarter of 2022. So play days and dream time are where it would be time otherwise dedicated to work. And what you do is you don't show up. For me, for the winter, I'm planning on taking Thursdays and I just want to go skiing. I want to take colleagues skiing. I want to take my husband skiing. I want to take my kids skiing. I just want to have some time alone during the week. I partly just want to challenge myself to step into a creative zone and to step out of the need to feel productive at all times. And so those play days and those dream times, that's really like really when those ideas start to flow to you. It's when you look at those problems differently. And as the work I do becomes less nuanced and in the weeds and more strategic and big picture, I suspect I'm going to find myself creating more and more of these play days and dream times so that I become a more effective thinker in my business and in my life. So within the planner, I actually give you space so that you can start to block off what you want your quarter to look like I would block mine off and I review it on a quarterly basis. Now there's a few more there's a few more things. There's two more things in particular that I want to point out. So yes, there's a week at a glance piece. And when I look at week at a glance, there's two parts to it. There's the things you have to do this week and the things you want to be this week. Who do you want to show up as? How do you want to work and be as a as a friend and as a colleague? So even on the day planning side of things, for any given day, it's two pages in the book. And the first page is all about who you want to be. And the second is what you want to do. And on any given day, one of the other pieces that I give you space to acknowledge, and you can choose to or not to, but I give you an opportunity to track your KPIs. I talk about KPIs all the time within the podcast, these key performance indicators. But for me, key performance indicators are not just about your business. In fact, more than anything, I think they are a way for us to track personal growth. And so while there's a few key ones that I actually have you track every single day and a blank one where you can add your own, there's some key KPIs that I want everyone to work at tracking on a quarterly basis. I want you to track your health out of 10. How well did you attend to your health, including recovery and mental health and rest? Rate yourself. I'm going to get you to rate yourself on a weekly basis so that we can draw our attention. Those things that we measure are the things that matter most. What was your positive self-talk like this week? Did you motivate yourself by speaking poorly or did you motivate yourself by speaking with kindness? This is something that many of us need to practice. What about your focus, your productivity, 
your self-authorization. I could do a whole episode on self-authorization. Self-authorization is our ability to make decisions for ourselves without needing to ask for permission. It is also a skill that we need to practice. It's a skill that comes with confidence, but it's an important part of leading your business and leading your life. How effective were you at generating revenue or acting exclusively within your zone of genius? Meaning how much time are you spending on follow through versus those things that ultimately are going to help your business grow? What about personal growth? Did you make room for it? Family and relationships, play or other. The goal here is that you are not aiming for 10 out of 10 across all factors. In fact, probably no one's going to see your scores. But it is about being honest with yourself. It's a way for you to be able to reflect, gosh, I'm like productive all the time, but I never make room for play. The scores are actually meant to keep us in balance, to acknowledge maybe where we're drifting a little bit so we can just adjust our time accordingly. The other cool piece that we've made room for within the planner is something called the Pomodoro technique. I've played with lots of different tools to be productive. I've got all sorts of apps that I've tried. This is not one that requires an app. We literally created space within it, within the the planner for it. But the Pomodoro technique, this was a technique that was developed uh, in the late 80s by a gentleman named Francesco Cirillo. And he had this time management system where he broke time into these 20 minute blocks. I'm actually drawing a blank, but 25 minute increments. And so what happens is you set your timer for 25 minutes. And I've been doing this for a long period of time. And then I was like, oh, there's like a technique here. Set your timer for 25 minutes. And then what you would do at the end of 25 minutes is you take a five minute break. You also have the option of being like, you know what? I'm actually in the flow. I'm just going to do another 25 minutes. So everything happens in these 25 minute uh, increments. The cool thing about it is you can, with the tasks that you've set out for the given day, you can assign it a given number of Pomodoros. And what I loved, at least this did for me, like someone who's highly responsive to dopamine, is it enabled me to gamify the work that I had to do. I'd be like, I bet I can get this done in two Pomodoros. And suddenly I had this minor competition happening with myself. That's when I realized this was a really effective technique for me. And I suspect other entrepreneurs because it keeps us from getting distracted. It keeps us focused on the time at hand. And so we literally created space within the planner for you to be able to budget and track the Pomodoros that you use for any given task. And then like always, we encourage you after four Pomodoros to actually take a break, to actually step up and stretch because there is no amount of research that suggests that sitting at your desk all day is actually going to make you more productive or more creative or more efficacious within your business. So we go into detail a little bit more about creating rituals, habits, and routines. So like morning routines and morning rituals, space to design those on a quarterly basis, hold yourself accountable on a daily basis. In the day-to-day planning, uh, there's a focus on what are you going to do on a given day? And I don't really give you more than three lines. And what are you going to do in a given day is divided into work and life. Because I found so many of these planners were focused just on work. And I was a busy mom in addition to having a business. And I didn't want these two pieces to blend. I really wanted to see these two elements as being separate. Because guess what I never got to when the lines were only focused on work? I felt like I was always leaving my family behind. So it enables you to start to separate those two pieces. There's areas where you can focus on schedule in and hold yourself accountable to the notion of recovery. And then there's a whole section within the planner that gives you a framework. I never talk about rules. I don't believe there's one way of doing anything, but a framework on how to set goals on a daily basis on a weekly basis, on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis, and how to do it in such a way that it's in alignment with not just what do you want to achieve, but who do you want to be 
along the journey. I am quite confident that this planner will not be for everyone. I'm also quite confident that it is going to evolve even for me. But version one is now available. I alluded to it a few weeks ago when I was talking about the anthropology uh, time system and I gave some people access to it. Um, and we're going to be doing that again. So when you check out the show notes, and I know you will at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast, you can actually download a copy of the Anthropology Planner. Now, it would have been awesome if we would have had it all ready so you could order it for the beginning of 2022. And while I could totally do that for you, um, I am just not confident with the state of the supply chain situation in the world that we can necessarily have it in hand uh, for you. We may but we may not. And so what I wanted to make sure everyone had an opportunity to do was just download it. Make sure that it's right for you. See if it's something that can be useful for you. And also create a space and opportunity for you to provide me with feedback. Because like I said, we're probably going to end up on version 10. Right now, we are still on version one. But I have to say, for my first planner, for my first 5 a.m. project, I am totally digging the outcome. It was time well spent. And it is a tool that I have been using on a daily basis since it arrived for me. So if nothing else, I've got an exciting new time management system that I can carry around with me. It's the colors that I like. It's the layout that I prefer. And to me, honestly, it's the ultimate example of when you have clarity on the life you want to live, you can go out and make things that support it. So I wanted to share that. I wanted to share that with you on episode 250 of the anthropology podcast. Anthropology to me is the study and the confluence of entrepreneurship, mindset, and health. I literally brought to birth a journal that enables you to attend to all of those pieces. And so instead of overthinking what it was that I was going to talk about, I decided to just selfishly share it with you and share it with the world. Also, at episode 250, I just wanted to, in addition to thanking my team, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank all of you who have been hanging out with me for a very long time, almost four years of recording this particular podcast. And coming up over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you some changes that we are going to start to make as we move into 2022. We have some new formats we're going to bring to the table, some new types of guests that we are going to um, have the opportunity to uh, converse with and share with and bring to all of you. Um, and I've got some really exciting things up my sleeve. So hang tight as we move towards the end of December. I'm going to share with you more details about where it is that we are going. Until then, I am Dr. Megan Walker. This is the Anthropology Podcast, and I am wishing all of you a very impactful week ahead. 